Your parents were there for you. Now you want to be there for them as they age. Welcome to There for Them, a podcast designed to help you find the information and resources you need to support your aging parents. Hi, this is Tara Fleming Caruso, Collaborative Care Advisor at Hebrew Senior Life. Welcome to the latest episode of our podcast, Designed for the Adult Child on the Go. In today's episode, we're talking about how couples of varying care needs and their families can approach senior care options. It goes without saying, aging is a very individual process. We all age differently, and each partner in a couple may not necessarily need the same support at the same time. And not all retirement communities are truly equipped to help when this is the case. So today we'll talk with two guests, Aileen Russito, Executive Director of Orchard Cove, a Hebrew Senior Life Retirement Community in Canton, Mass., and Bob Tutnauer, a resident of Newbridge-on-the-Charles, the Hebrew Senior Life Retirement Community where I'm based. Thank you both for being here today and being on the show. Eileen, you have an incredible wealth of experience in helping residents and families identify care needs. Can you start us off by sharing a little bit about how you advise and educate couples about care options, particularly in those cases where there are different needs? I've known you for a while, and I know you have a philosophy, one that's central to your core and your values about how best to approach this issue. Where does the conversation begin? Well, hello, Tara. It's so good to be with you. Thank you for inviting me for this really important conversation. Mm, You know, I'm struck by the title of this conversation, and as you so well pointed out, it almost feels surprising to the world that couples may have varying needs as they age. But isn't that normal? Shouldn't we all expect? We've all aged differently throughout our life. Yet when somebody starts looking at senior care options, it does truly become a problem. Finding an option that suits two different partners in a couple um, who have varying needs can be very challenging. And I think that that happens because a lot of the products in the world of senior living tend to be experts in fixing something that's broken. A lot of communities just focus on what's the matter and what will the solution be to that problem. At Hebrew Senior Life, and as you pointed out, something that's really core to my work and that I love is we'd love to flip that question around and really start by thinking about what matters most. Like, let's start talking about what are your values? What makes for a good day? What brings you joy? What do you want to do more of? What do you want to do less of? And let the individual really think about those questions. And it's pretty amazing to do that in life, just to take a moment and start thinking about those values and preferences and then start thinking about, so now that I know that, what is the solution? What will be able to support me in that successful aging process? What type of community will truly help both 
partners in a couple age the most successfully possible. So that's my first trick. Never start with what's broken. Don't start with what you're trying to fix, but really start with what's important to you and, and force that conversation wherever you are. The second thing that I just wanted to point out that I also feel like comes as a surprise in life is planning. And it's interesting that throughout life, we plan for so many things, right? Your parents help you plan for going to school. You plan to go to college. You plan to get married. You plan to buy your first house. You plan to have your children and so on. However, it's also very true, at least in my experience, that not that many people plan for retirement. It's not the most exciting planning step in life, but it is so necessary. It's so necessary to start this conversation early and hope that you don't end up in a reactive mode. And when you start the conversation, I'm just going to say it one more time. Don't start with what's broken. Really start with what's important to you and what truly matters to you. Okay, so I've heard you share this many times, and it never gets old, Eileen. It's just refreshing to hear a philosophy that really flips the whole concept on its head, right? You're not imposing what you think is best. You're really listening, and you're asking those super important questions that put the resident front and center. It just gets me so happy and excited. So thank you for sharing that again. So let's build upon that. Can you talk a little bit about some of the senior living options that are available to older adults and how continuing care retirement communities like Orchard Cove and like Newbridge on the Charles fit into that picture? Of course, very happy to. And that's another possibly overwhelming part of this whole conversation is there are a lot of options, a lot of options out there. So, Let me give you just a little bit of a preview and just jump in and ask questions as you see fit. So I'll start with independent living. So independent livings are usually great housing environments that might have some perks or some services. They might have a meal program. They might have some programming, some opportunities for socialization. But everybody who lives there lives independently and really receives very few of those services. Then there's the whole assisted living, or sometimes you call it enhanced living market. Now, those are environments that provide housing with some supportive services. So individuals that live in assisted living environments might receive help in the morning getting dressed, taking their medication, getting meals, housekeeping services. So it's it's an enriched lifestyle with some of those services absolutely built in for somebody who really needs those services to be able to be to remain as independent as possible. Some of those assisted living environments are called memory care assisted living. Now, those are environments that would really specialize for the individual whose cognitive health might be declining. So somebody who really needs assistance in remembering what to do next and how to bring structure to a day. 
Other environments that exist on the market are skilled nursing. Those could be for short-term or long-term care, and those are more medicalized environments with a lot of nursing care, with assistance in everything that somebody would need throughout the day, and those are really important for somebody coming out of a hospital stay that needs some rehabilitation, but also people who suffer from some medical conditions that really warrant them receiving a lot of care throughout the day. Now, there's a whole other segment of options on the market, and those are what we will refer to as home and community-based services. Now, those are tailored for individuals who decide to stay home in their own home and bring services to them. That could be somebody helping prepare meals, helping take a shower, some brief nursing care. Some people actually hire somebody to live in and live in their home and provide services to them around the clock. So these options are all great. There are a lot of them out there. I think that the challenge with couple of varying care needs is that these options are very specifically tailored to a profile of individual. And if a couple has two individuals that have different needs, those concepts might not be able to address both individuals. And that's where continuing care retirement communities, we also call them life plan communities, are what I truly believe a pretty exceptional option for for those couples. A continuing care retirement community is really an environment that offers a multitude of different types of services. And Hebrew Senior Life has its own, and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about those in in a moment. But a continuing care retirement community is an environment where independent living apartments are offered with a lot of services from meals to programs to fitness There's also a section that will always be called enhanced living or assisted living and skilled nursing care. So the concept is an individual moves into a continuing care retirement community and whatever is needed, their needs will be met because of this array of both health care and services that are available to them. Eileen, that was such an articulate, wonderful overview of the many resources that people can choose from when they're trying to decide what um, makes the most sense for them and their care needs. And as you were talking, I was really reminded and struck by the fact that we are so blessed by the communities and the organization that we work for because really everything that you described is provided right under one roof on our campuses. And we have this 100-plus-year-old organization behind us with so much experience. And on top of it, I, I can't stop. You can hear. I'm, I'm so excited by this. We have our affiliation with Harvard Medical School, and we have an aging research institute, a Center for Memory Health. So many resources that... We can draw upon that I know, speaking for myself, make me excited about my work. I have so much that I can give as a gift to people should they so choose to take it. So speaking of people who might take these resources and gifts, that shifts now to the conversation that we're going to have with Bob Tuttenauer. 
Bob is an independent living member at Newbridge-on-the-Charles. Bob and his wife, Alba, moved to Newbridge-on-the-Charles at the end of 2020, a year that none of us will and could ever forget. Now, my role at Newbridge is to help all residents navigate our continuum of care, and that's how I recently got to know Bob and Alba. So thankfully, I have this experience to rely on if my career as a podcast host doesn't pan out. I mean, this is very unlikely, of course, but it's good to have this career to fall back on. Um, But Bob, all kidding aside, thank you for being here and sharing your personal story, and I'm going to let you take it. Thank you, Tara. This is really kind of exciting, and I, I was very interested in hearing what Aline had to talk about, my journey did not really follow her path. I never anticipated nor planned on living in a senior community like this. It was just not in my thought process. As a matter of fact, I was always, for my life, not really a very good planner. I planned well in my various businesses, but my personal life was sort of It just happened. I have three remarkable women who were not women always and who were my daughters. And now I have seven grandchildren and three great-grandchildren, a fourth due to come any moment. And we have lived, not all of us now because time has passed, we have lived an extremely exciting life. Professionally, things were good. Personally, we traveled a great deal, two of my daughters and Albert and I lived in in Europe for a year, and I had never given any thought to my retirement. It was going to take care of itself, just like our life took care of itself. And we were really happy leading this kind of life. And then all of a sudden, we became aware that Alba was developing an issue. Uh, This was about 10 or 11 years ago. My daughters thought that perhaps this was part of the aging process. It was a a memory kind of thing. And we went and we had her tested as we found that this issue was progressing. And she was diagnosed with a condition of dementia called primary progressive aphasia. And the operative term here is, is, is progressive, which is really what it does. And so we continue just to lead our life. We have a, uh, we had a lovely home in the Berkshires. We had a condominium in Florida. We were always very involved in music and in dance, particularly dance. Uh, we go to the theater and we love to go out to dine. And Alba came with me. Um, whether she enjoyed it as much as she had enjoyed it years past, Hard to say. She didn't communicate all that much, but the disease progressed. And we, I, began to think about what are we going to do if it continues to progress? This thing is not going to go away by itself. The issue was how were we going to live our life? How was I going to protect Alva? I had a, a responsibility. We We made a deal when we got married that we were going to take care of each other and care for each other. So now, for somebody who didn't plan anything, I had to start to plan as to what we were going to do and how were we going to do it. The issue had to do with what happens to Alba if something happens to me. My daughters convinced me they're certainly 
Mommy's not going to be out on the street. We will take care of her. And our family, as I described before, is such a close-knit, supportive, communicative family. That was not the issue. But I didn't want to have, if something were to happen to me, I didn't want them to have the responsibility while they were building their own lives to deal with Alba, who would have more and more needs. So it became obvious that I had to find a place or a situation that would care for her without me. And so we began to look around, and I looked, I looked at a retirement community. I even hated the name retirement community. But we looked around in the Berkshires and looked in Florida, and I didn't really love that. And I was told about Newbridge on the Charles by someone in, in our family about the kind of community that Newbridge was. And I said, well, I might as well go take a look. And I took one of my daughters, my three daughters now, and I form a board of directors. I used to be in charge because I was very important. Now that I'm less important, they, they <laughs> offer their advice and I take it. So they are, they are caring for me. Uh, mm. So we went to visit Newbridge, and I was very pleased with it. It looked really great. The physical structure was great. The, the rooms looked terrific. It was sort of like a, a Ritz-Carlton type thing. It was great. And what was particularly nice for me is the people that I met. And, you know, my background has always been in sales and marketing, so I could always tell if somebody mm -hmm. was trying to sell me something. They were not trying to sell me a condominium. They mm -hmm. were talking to me about whether or not the environment at Newbridge, the culture at Newbridge, would be a good fit for Alba mm -hmm. and for me. Alba was still able to communicate, and so we were thinking about that, and I really kind of liked that. I thought that that was great. I was really struck by how you shifted your thinking when you said, how am I going to live my life, to how are we going to live our lives. And I think that's the whole thrust of this conversation is that people come in partnership and that partnership is going to develop through the aging process differently. And so I really appreciated how you said that. Um, also, just oh, great. another aside, we'll have to spend some time together and rename retirement community because I also don't like it. So let's put that on our to-do list and we can we can okay. solve that one down the line. And I bet we can make a lot of money Are with a whole new name. Um, I was struck also by the theme of planning ahead. And Aileen talked about it a little bit as well. We're going to come back to the end of the podcast. I don't want to forget about that, but put it on the shelf for the moment. So shifting now to continue the conversation from you, you also mentioned that you had some unmet needs separate from ALBA. And I'm curious about how or since moving to Newbridge, how you've identified what those needs are and how you're addressing them. We were really leading a great life, and I was unaware that I had needs that were not being addressed. I was unaware of that. As Alba's disease progressed, I realized that I did have a need, and the need was to find an environment for both of us that would be productive, really mostly for her. I could adapt, in my opinion, 
to anything. I just had to make sure that she was going to be all right. And I had this preoccupation of what would happen to her if something happened to me. That was really the driver. So that, that was probably a need way deep down. Who is going to take care of someone who deserved mm. being taken care of? And so going back to Newbridge, if I may, what I also liked about the fact is that we would get into independent living, which was described, which was really fine. And Albert and I, we found a, a, a lovely place. And we were welcomed so warmly by both the staff, the management staff, and the staff that helps you with delivering food, with cleaning, and all of that. They were great. And I know about service because of my experience with the Ritz-Carlton. So they made you feel good. They made you feel that all of them, that they really wanted to care for you. And so what about this issue about me? What about what happens if something happened to me? So Newbridge, as Aline described, has, because it's a continuing care community, assisted living, which is really as upscale as independent living, but they provide more services. They provide meals, they provide activities and things that independent living doesn't have. So people who have these challenges are taken care of. And then if Alba were to progress even further, which we hope not, my objective is to blunt this progression, wishful thinking, um, hmm. she could get into the memory care unit. So even if I was not there, I became sort of the facilitator. Alba's life for the rest of her life was going to be taken care of. I must tell you, when I made the decision, which was a big decision for me, to do this, it was such a relief to me, a psychological relief that this was done and that she would be taken care of and I would be taken care of, that as I was aging, that if there was a need to take care of me, we could do that, and we could do it together. We would never have to be separated, and I, I kind of love that, loved that. So Newbridge exceeded my expectation. I found it to be the place that we really wanted to be in. Mm. When the COVID is not creating issues for us, it has theater and dance and lectures, a community of intellectually challenging people. It gave us basically a life. And my daughters agreed. And so we moved in. Yeah, that's a, such a great story. And thank you for sharing the whole scope of that. That was awesome. As a sidebar, because you mentioned something really important, I just briefly want to hear from you about the fact that you moved during the height of the pandemic. So why did you choose to move at that time? And what was that experience like? Actually, the pandemic had nothing to do one way or the other with our move. Once this decision was made, and Alba did not share in this decision, I made the decision with the support of my daughters to move into mm -hmm. this community. Once I made the decision, I felt it was really important to do it quickly, regardless of the virus. And why to do it quickly? Because if Alba's disease accelerated, if she became more in need of support and we then were forced to make a decision to move into a place like this quickly, the adjustment would be difficult. I wanted to give her the time to acclimate herself to this environment. 
to learn to be in our apartment, to know where the bathroom was, to know how to walk outside, to know where to take a shower. I didn't want it to be all of a sudden. We had to get there. Mm. That was the reason. Yeah, that that's so well said as well. You know, I'm thinking that maybe once this podcast career takes off and I become really famous, you can take over my role as care advisor because you just listed all of the talking points that I want to bring up when I'm having conversations with families. And I think you did it better than I do. So I'm really glad that I have someone in the wings ready to take over. Okay, Bob, thank you again. I want to one, one more, if I can. Uh, I forgot to say sure. one thing, which I think when I talk about my daughters, I brought them along individually at different visits to Newbridge. And the people at Newbridge treated them exactly the way they treated me. They listened to them. They responded to what my daughters felt our needs were. It was such a team effort, both on our part and Newbridge's part. I'm I'm kind of happy, Tara. I just I'm happy that I'm here. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great start to the weekend, to, to go into Friday afternoon with that wonderful statement. Thank you, Bob, for sharing. All right, Eileen, we're going to call on you again here. Bob's story highlighted how a CCRC can provide such support for the partner with greater health needs. But I wondered if you could just share a little bit more about how a CCRC also enhances the life of the care partner. So from a staff perspective, if you could share some of your observations, that would be great. Sure, Tara. You know, I was so inspired to hear Bob's story, and I agree. He said it so beautifully. Um, When you're on your podcast journey and I accompany you, um, Bob will take over. But, um, you know, what I just loved in Bob's closing, and I think it says it all, how the continuum of care has been able to provide him the peace of mind of knowing that whatever Alba's needs will be or are now, they will be taken care of, and that he surprised himself and is happy enjoying so much of the rich life that the community has to offer. So I would say that happens all the time. Couples move in, and one spouse feels like, you know, I would never make this move if it weren't for my loved one who really needs this. And once they make the move and that tremendous peace of mind happens, knowing that whatever they're going to need, it is going to be there under one roof and they will be well cared for. When that happens, I think there's just a feeling of total liberation that the spouse that needs the care will receive the care and the other one can enjoy life. I also loved the term a board of directors made out of his family members. To expand on that a little bit, and if we want to call it a board of directors, I love in these continuing care retirement communities, a couple moves in and there's this immediate support network that's formed around individuals, kind of like what I was talking about at the beginning. What matters most in the person is at the center. But then in a continuing care retirement community, all around that couple, you'll have family members or friends and staff members who will be there to help the individuals navigate their aging process and their varying needs and their changing needs. Um, I've often seen couples that come in where the caregiver is starting to get a little burnt out. It's hard. Their lives have been consumed with caring with their spouse and 
they want to do it. That's what they committed to doing, and that's wonderful. But it becomes heavy. And mm. we've seen this all the time, that all of a sudden, if the spouse that needs a little more support, if those needs can be met in the community through anything, through services coming into the home, through spending time in a different environment, through social work support, if those needs are taken care of, now all of a sudden the other spouse can start being liberated a little bit from the caregiving responsibilities and return to being a spouse and start enjoying life in a continuing care retirement community that is so rich, that has so much to offer when when life is fine and you don't need support. Really nice. Thank you. You know, I have just one final question, and you addressed it a bit, but I still feel like it's worth asking. So couples aging differently inherently can bring real challenges, right, that can't always be solved perfectly, even if the staff and the community has all the best intentions and all the right resources that are deep and trusted and and time-proven. So I'm just curious... There must still be a silver lining when the scenario is not perfect. Can you speak to that? You know, I can. And I'm going to channel one of my favorite individuals in the world, an Orchard Cove resident, who always says, you know, it's not the building. It's not the services. All of it is so beautiful. It's fantastic. And thank God it exists. But it's really the people So I would say the silver lining is the fact that individuals are part of a community of incredibly caring friends that are there to support the couple with varying needs through this phase that can be really difficult. And I have just seen just incredible success stories of of people being surrounded by community and not being alone facing this hardship. That's the silver right. lining I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's the it takes a village concept, right? It's not one person alone. Exactly. It's many individuals with caring hearts who really want to make a difference. Well, thank you both for sharing your insights and stories and all the time you set aside to be part of the podcast today. If listeners wanted to learn more about supporting couples of varying care needs and just healthy aging in general, please visit www.hebrewseniorlife.org. And it just so happens you can find our blog there as well. Of course, additionally, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast. Thanks in advance. And on that note, We would like to know what you'd like to hear next. Are there topics that you think would be helpful? Let us know. Send an email to editor at hebrewseniorlife.org and put the word podcast in the subject line. Thanks, and be well until the next time. We look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks for listening to There for Them, brought to you by Hebrew Senior Life a leading senior care nonprofit organization that's an affiliate of Harvard Medical School and is uniquely dedicated to rethinking, researching, and redefining the possibilities of aging. Learn more at HebrewSeniorLife.org.